0: Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Bible said it was because of his faith that God blessed him. He believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness is what the word of God says. And so in the New Testament, it says it's a new covenant based on better promises. So in the Old Testament, there was redemption. You had healing. You had a relationship with God. You had prosperity. It's even better in the New Testament. That's good news. That's why it's called the gospel. We have heaven for eternity instead of hell. And we can have heaven on earth in the process. Now that's the cool thing. In Romans chapter nine, you're going to hear about the grace of God. You're going to hear about the love of God and what might, what might be referred to as divine election. All this stuff, but it's going to lead up to the end of the chapter where he talks about it's by faith. All right. In other words, we believe God, and we have the opportunity to pursue Him. That means it's free. I'm from. I was raised on South Side. V. If it's free, I'll take three of them. But here's the good thing: when it's free with God. I want to pursue him, and that costs me a little bit. And you're like, wait a minute. Does it cost or is it free? No, it's free. But when it's free, I pers—I get the opportunity to pursue God. Now, that means I don't—I can I give up other things to pursue him. All right? So here's where we're going with this. What are you doing with what God gave you? God has given you a covenant. You know, recently, Austin Butler came out with that movie about Elvis that came out. Don't raise your hands in church. No one's going to judge you, but whatever. We're not going to... It is a new movie about Elvis that came out. Elvis, I think his name was Elvis Aaron Presley. He was born in Tupelo, Mississippi, and he became the best-selling artist, musical artist of all time. One billion sales. Every year, Elvis Presley has been dead since 1977, but every year, his albums sell one million. One million of them. People wish they had those kind of sales. He was extraordinarily gifted. As a young man, he experienced God and assembly of God church. He had an encounter with God. He was gifted. His brother, his half-brother, believes he was called to the ministry. He had an anointing on his life. He had a gifting on his life, but he didn't use it to glorify God completely. Interestingly enough, his only three Grammy Awards were actually gospel, gospel songs, one of them being How Great Thou Art. But he had a gifting. But he struggled with using his gifting for God and he actually died with drugs in his body. Died of a heart attack at the age of 42. He missed out on God's best. So what are you doing with what God gave you? The Bible says in Luke chapter 13, we don't have to go there, that Jesus was preaching in a synagogue. And it said he was preaching in the synagogue and he looked over and saw a woman bowed over with a spirit of infirmity. She'd been sick for 18 years. And the Bible says he went up to her and healed her and the religious people got mad at him because he dared to heal a person, to heal this woman on the Sabbath day when you weren't supposed to work. But Jesus made this comment. He said, shouldn't this woman, a daughter of Abraham, receive her healing? He was referring to her place, her rights in the covenant. And he said, shouldn't she be healed? And she actually, she was healed. He, Jesus understood the old covenant, but he connected her to the, to the new covenant because he was the ultimate healer. All right. So, what are you doing with what God gave you? The first question I want to pose to you tonight. First point is, what are you doing with the covenant God gave you? Romans chapter 9. Would you stand with me? We're going to read it if we can. It's going to be on the screens. Let's read these three verses, and then I'll let you sit down. One, two, three. Let's read. Let's read. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Father God, tonight we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for Romans chapter 9. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to tap into your grace, to tap into the covenant that you have provided for us. And we can tap in by faith and grow in it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 Grab a seat. Grab a seat. So Paul wrote the book of Romans. And Romans is like the foundational book for all of your faith and your walk with God. It's an awesome thing. But it's interesting that in these first three verses, Paul is talking about his compassion which is interesting because Paul was raised, he was born in Tarsus. It was a place in the Roman Empire. Uh, I think it was in modern day Turkey. But he was raised in a religious setting, raised in Tarsus. And he was raised to be a Pharisee, a religious leader. Someone who studied under the great Jewish leader named Gamaliel. He was, he was intense. He understood he had an understanding if you read the book of Acts, he had an understanding of his rights as a Roman citizen. He wasn't a servant, he didn't pay for his citizenship, he was born into it, so he had a keen understanding even as a Christian of his rights as a Roman citizen. Just like you and I would be an American citizen, people want that American citizenship, back then you wanted a Roman a Roman citizenship. You were protected by the Roman Empire. If you were a Roman citizen, you had rights. And he understood that. He was also someone who understand, understood the Old Covenant. And he understood, he had a concept of God based on what he read in the Old Testament, in the Torah, and the prophets. He understood that. So when he heard about people following Jesus, he thought they were moving away from what God intended. Because they didn't understand the Covenant and they didn't recognize that Jesus was the bringer of the New Covenant. But somewhere along the way, he decided he was going to, he's like, man, I'm going to be religious. I'm going to do this. I'm going to find my way of serving God. And that is going to be persecuting the followers of Jesus. So if you follow Jesus, he made sure you were tortured. He made, he did everything he could to get you to recant your walk with God. He was all this really rough stuff. He even got letters from Jerusalem to go to Damascus in modern day Syria to go and to go and, and persecute Christians. This dude was one of those guys that was on fire for what he believed, even though it wasn't complete. And on the way, you remember the story, on the way to Damascus, he gets knocked off his horse, and Jesus appears to him. And Jesus is like, who are you? And he said, it's Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. He said, what? And he said well, what do you want me to do? He said, go into, go into Damascus, and there's going to be a guy, Ananias, he's going to pray for you, and you're going to get your sight back, because he got blinded at that moment. So this guy that was so hardened, this guy that was so, so hard and so had no love and was very, lived a very dark life, comes in, had to be led into Damascus, and for three days he fasted. And a guy came up to him named Ananias, a guy who was probably terrified to, to come and pray, for, pray for, for Paul because Paul was te- persecuting Christians, prayed for him and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. He got saved, and from that moment, from that moment of receiving compassion he turned around and started sharing Jesus he got to begin to get a, rela- a a revelation of the new covenant that god provided for him and that co- that compassion changed him so much that he decided to go after the Jewish people to share the love of God with him and to go out through the, the Roman Empire sharing the love of Jesus. And in those first three verses in Romans, he's sharing how he wants this man that was so hard, a persecutor of Christians, how much he wanted them to know God to the point that he poetically describes it as saying, I almost wished I would go to hell if it meant all the people of Israel could go to heaven and know Jesus. He was so broken and torn He was so, so desiring to see them know know Jesus. I think it was said of D.L. Moody that he couldn't preach through a message about hell and people being lost for eternity without weeping because he cared so much for people. You see, when you have an encounter with God, that initial encounter with God of salvation like like Paul did, you can't help but show the love of God to other people. And Paul didn't stop there because he had a daily encounter with God that gave him fresh compassion for those around him. And so my question is, do you? What are you doing with the covenant God gave you? As soon as Paul got a hold of it, he decided to share Jesus with the world. What am I doing with that? What are you? Second point is, do you and I fail to recognize God's covenant blessings in our lives? See, the people of Israel were first in line for the new covenant blessings, but they didn't recognize Jesus or the subsequent new new covenant. Come on, let's look at Romans chapter 9, verse 4 through 6. It says this, he was talking about Israel. His heart had broken for the, the people of Israel. He wanted them to know Jesus. He wanted them to have a relationship with God, but they were looking for a worldly leader that would help them defeat the Roman emperor. They were looking for a political figure. So often we as Christians are looking for somebody in Washington, whether you love Biden or love Trump or whatever, we're looking for them to bring the answer. And the people during that time were no different. They wanted somebody that would, they thought the Messiah would come and defeat the Romans and make them powerful like they were in the days of Solomon and David again. And Jesus said, no, 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 the kingdom is going to be one inside of you. I want to change your hearts and that'll change everything else in society. And so his compassion and what God had done in his life to tap into that covenant, to tap into the love of God... He expresses it a little bit more in Romans chapter 9, verse 4. And he's talking about the people of Israel. He said, they're the people of Israel. Could you read this with me? One, two, three. Let's read. They're the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Look at verse 6. Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No. For not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. My question to you tonight is, are you missing God's best in your life because you don't recognize God at work in your life? Are you missing God? You see, when you spend time with God in prayer and the word, he reveals his heart to you. Israel missed, so many of them had missed Jesus as Lord of Savior. The Bible says this, it said, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The Bible says that when, when, when Peter was preaching And he came into Jerusalem. He said, y'all killed him. And they were like, what in the world? And he's all, yeah, but guess what? God wants to forgive you and he loves you. Guys, my sins put him on the cross and so did yours. I rejected God. I was born into into the human race that was full of sin, but I also chose sin. And God had to work in my heart and show me his compassion so that I could be turned around and so that I could begin to tap into his covenant. And that's something that we can all do. So, are we missing what God has for us? And here's the third point. As a born again follower of Jesus, what are you doing with the covenant blessings God has provided for you? And I want to I park right here. As a born again follower of Jesus, what are you doing with the covenant blessings God has provided for you? Romans 9, 7 through 8 says this. It says, being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. As born again believers, the covenant is ours. As born-again believers, the covenant is ours. It says this in Galatians 3, 13 and 14 in the New King James. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 28, he talks about the blessings and the curses it talks about the people of israel that god provided for them to be healed in their bodies that god provided for them to have a relationship with god that god provided for them to live in prosperity it was it, for those in the old testament that tapped into it it was a very real thing the bible talks about an exodus where, where god was communicating face to face with moses And he was communicating with Moses and he said, I want you to go in the promised land. And Moses, he he had this very real and genuine conversation that that maybe you and I would have with God. He said, God, you said that you'd lead us. He said that you, you said that you would take us into the promised land. He said, but if you don't go with us, I don't want just an angel leading us. He said, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go there. Guys, Moses recognized he needed more than just the prosperity He needed more than just the healing. He was was over 80 years old when he began his ministry. He wanted God's presence in his life because it was at the bush where he first met God's presence and he never wanted to live without it. See, some of us think that, that because of the mistakes we've made, God can't use us anymore. Yeah, John, I know what you're talking about, but that's for somebody else. I've made a lot of mistakes in relationships, sex outside of marriage. I, I've been into porn or I've been into perversion or whatever. And you think that God's done with you. You think that because you made a relational mistake that it's over for you. Or because you broke somebody's heart or you disappointed somebody or you disappointed yourself. That's how Moses probably felt. First 40 years of his life, he spent it wasting it in, 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 uh, in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house. Wasting it on himself, probably like Elvis. It's interesting that Elvis lived to a a little over 40 years old. But then the next 40 years, Moses wasted in the the desert, just taking care of a few sheep, hiding out. But when he had that encounter with God, that moment with God, like Paul, he had this encounter, this radical encounter with God, and God says, I'm going to send you. He's like, given every excuse in the book, why he can't. And we do the same thing, don't we? God says, I want to work in your life. I'm going to do something extraordinary. Well, I can't because, Lord, don't you know I I messed up in that relationship? Don't you know how broken I am, God? Don't you realize that mistake? Don't you realize what my uncle did to me or my aunt or that person who sexually abused me or molested me or the drugs I took or the person I slept with or that thing I did? God, don't you understand? Moses, guys, was a murderer. He killed somebody in cold blood. But God said, I want you to go in. And God took away every excuse. And God used him at the age of 80 to go in and take the children of Israel and take them into the promised land. And God wants to use us too. And the cool thing about God is he told him right there in the desert. He said, take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy ground. And isn't this interesting that the place where he had met God, that place where he has this encounter with God and begins to have this covenant with God, it was a place where he'd probably been many times before. A place where he had walked through with the sheep, part of his daily routine, sweating in the desert, sweating out in this mountain, but he has this encounter with God and God meets him right where he is and says, take off your shoes because it's holy ground. And in that moment, and here's the cool thing about God, and here's the cool thing about the covenant that we even see in the New Testament, God speaks to him about his purpose to lead the people of Israel, but then he says, go, and I want you to set my people free. And that's the cool thing about the new covenant. Because the Bible says that God has called you and me to be his ambassadors, to represent Jesus. Some of the last words Jesus ever said to his disciples were go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and every all of creation. Isn't that an awesome thing? That God's purpose for the covenant for you, it's not just so that you're blessed. Elvis wanted to get his mom a pink Cadillac. He was super rich. He bought Graceland, all that stuff. That's great. But guess what? He lived the last 50, 60 years, whatever, since he's been dead. He's not enjoying those record sales. He's not enjoying any of those, the wealth or any of that stuff or the new movie that came. He's not enjoying that because he he short-circuited his life and he missed out on God's blessing. So my question to you tonight is, what are you doing with the covenant God gave you? What are you doing? Because God's covenant, God wants you to live in abundance. He wants to prosper you and to learn, for you to renew your mind in the word every day and in prayer and connect with God before the day starts. Getting up 30 minutes earlier, spending time with God to find out what your relationship with him is all about. To grow and you say, well, that's cool when I'm 50. No, no, no. It's cool at 15. As a 13-year-old, you can have encounters with God in your bedroom before the day starts. And the blessing of God, God wants to bless you in prosperity. He wants you to live healed in your body. He wants you saved, obviously, so you're going to heaven and and having hope in your life right now. But it's not just about your purpose. The covenant blessing of God is about you going and being a light in your sphere of influence. I love that about Paul. Paul walked in the covenant, the new covenant that was better than the one Moses had, better than the one Abraham had. And guess what? He used every bit of the word of God he knew, every bit of prosperity, anything God blessed him, he used it to advance the kingdom throughout the Roman Empire. He used every bit of, any bit of of talent and gift in writing and learning and everything else, he leveraged it so people could know Jesus. And guess what? You can do that too right where you are. You're like, well, I'm not like this theologian. Guess what? You can be Jesus right where you are like Paul. You can tap into the covenant every morning. You can have an encounter with God in your bedroom. You can spend time with God on your knees in the word of God in a daily reading plan in seeking God's face and then go out and be a light. You can be what God's called you to be. And I love what Jesus said because I think Jesus said it best. He said, he said, your salt and light, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. God has called you to greatness because it's not about you being popular or the limelight. It's you getting that light and the blessing of God and turning it on him so that other people look to him. God wants to use you. He said, you're salt and light. And as a Latino, I like that. God was speaking to Mexicans when he said that, I think. He said, you're salt and light. All the Mexicans in the house said, amen. The Mexicans like, we Latinos, boy, we like some salt. We're like, oh, sandia. Yeah, put some salt on that mijo one yeah that's oh enchiladas yeah a little bit more salt oh frijoles yeah put some salt menudo of course salt you got to put some oregano and everything else but salt salt's good on everything boy it is isn't it y'all know it is some of y'all too much salt man and the doctor's like no you better lower on that but guess what god says that you and i are that way salt is good in the oil field Salt is good at Houston Middle School and at Hobbs High and Highland. Salt is good in health care and in education because you can be Jesus right where you are. When people are going through hard times, they're like, hey, man, can you pray for me? And then you pray the gospel. God wants to shine through you. God wants you to be the light, and he wants you to step into the covenant. I'm going to close with this. The Bible says in John chapter 5 that there was a man hanging out by a pool. And at this pool, there was, a, there was something going on. And some manuscripts in, in biblical history will say an angel. It was said that an angel would come and stir up the water. And sick people would get around this pool and, and they would go in and the first one in supposedly would get healed. So there was this man hanging out by the water. You remember the story. I love how the chosen depicts this. It's incredible. You can see it on YouTube probably. Depicts it incredibly. But this man was out there by the water. He was crippled. For many years, a man who had had disappointment, couldn't get, to the, couldn't get to the water. But one day Jesus showed up, just like he did for you and me. Jesus walked through the crowd of sick people and walked right up to this man. And he walked right up to him and he asked him a question. And it's the question that we all have to answer. It's the question that we have to answer probably every day if we're being real with ourselves. He walks up to a man who is clearly sick, a man who is clearly crippled, a man who clearly can't get to the water by himself, and he has the audacity to ask him this question. He says, do you want to be healed? Now it was a yes or no response is what it should have been, but he said this, he said, there's no one to push me into the water. Immediately he starts off with blame. Immediately he shows out of the abundance of his heart the mouth speaks. Immediately he shows bitterness. Probably not just toward people but toward God. He said, I can't get to the water. No one can help me. And Jesus won't let him off the hook. Do you want to be healed? Yeah. Take up your, stand up, take up your bedroll. And right there by the, by the water in front of everybody else, the man stands up hasn't been able to walk probably in years maybe ever he stands up bones are probably popping into place and he has this encounter with god a man who should have been healed by the old covenant but now steps into the the blessings of the new covenant the man in front in right in front of the man who said him who was it was described himself bore our infirmities and guess what jesus was the healer then and he's the healer now he healed that man Isaiah 53 says, with his stripes we're healed. And the question for you today is, do you want to be healed? Do you want to experience the blessings of the covenant? Because the covenants are for you, is for you. The new covenant is for you. But it's also for you to live it out in the community and to be what God's called you to be. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. What are you doing with what God gave you? He gave you Jesus. He died on a cross for you. He shed his blood for you. Paul describes that grace so perfectly. All you had to do was believe. But then after believing, you get the opportunity to grow in that relationship, to read that love letter, the ultimate text message, the word of God, to grow in that relationship with Jesus, to know God like Paul did. To know God like some of the people of Israel and to know God more deeply as a born-again Christian. If you want to get right with God tonight and you say, you know what? I want to begin that journey, man, and really get right with God. And I, I've just been falling away, John, and I want to start to grow in the covenant. I want, I, want to, I want to step into that. But I've been walking away with God. If that's you, man, if you've been walking away and you say, I want to come back tonight, would you raise your hand and let me pray for you? Say, man, I need to get back into this. Awesome. Thank you so much. Raise your hand. Bring it right back down. If there's anyone else, just raise your hand. Bring it right back down. I want to pray for you. Say, man, I've been missing it. Thank you. Let's tap into this. God, it's a free gift that God provided for you and me. Let's come back to God tonight. Let's all pray together. Would you stand with me? Say, Father God. God. There you go. Say it like you mean it. Say, "Father Father God. I'm sorry for all my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I've messed up. Please forgive me. Wash me in your blood. Purify me. Cleanse me. Jesus, I make you Savior, Lord, and God of my life. In Jesus' name. Oh, I repent of my sins, and I turn to you in Jesus' name. Would you raise your hands with me? Let's pray it out. Say, Father God, Father, I need you. Help me to grow in my understanding of the covenant. I want to walk in the covenant to show the world how real you are and that they can know you too. Use me. Take my life. Take every part of me. I give you every part, every hidden part of me, everything. Use me for your glory.